to Nicosia uncut. Esim Tatar has been elected as the new Turkish Cypriot leader with 51.69% of the vote in the second round of elections, where former Turkish Cypriot leader Mustafa Kimji got 48.31% and announced his resignation from politics. So in this episode, we discuss the reasons behind this result and the outcome on the ground. Hello, Kemal. Hello, Andromache. So, on Sunday, the second round of the Turkish Cypriot leadership elections took place and uh, the National Unity Party leader, Ersin Tatar, uh, was elected as the new Turkish Cypriot leader. He got 51.69% of the vote and uh, Mustafa Kimchi, the former leader, got 48.31% of the votes. In absolute numbers, we are talking about the difference of close to 4,400 votes. I think we need to be honest that uh, the development left a sour uh, and bitter taste to most pro-solution uh, commentators. However, I think it is worth uh, rationalizing the result and trying to see why Ersin Tatar won and what this means for Cyprus from now on, aside from any sentimental observations. So would you like to tell us why Ersin Tatar won these elections? Like every election, like every other election in the world, each and every election has their own dynamics and uh, this one also had its own dynamics and we can uh, talk about various reasons why the outcome uh, was like this and uh, I did my homework, I actually wrote them down so that we can start discussing. A candidate who supported the federal solution, who openly uh, stood up against uh, Turkey's intervention, who has the left background, who was in power in the previous time, lost, and uh, the side who were advocating closer ties with Turkey, getting the support of AK Party government in Turkey, who promised economic benefits and, uh, and, and used the nationalistic rhetoric won. But to start with, I think number one reason why uh, Akinci lost is because of Crown Montana failure. Because Akinci promised its water base a solution in 2015 and that didn't happen. Now, everybody knows in the Turkish Cypriot community that he really worked very hard. He really did his best. And in fact, many people use this against him. I have heard arguments in the Turkish Cypriot community saying that if Akinci cannot solve it, if Akinci, who is known to be an ardent pro-solution candidate, uh, a person and who dedicated all his life to uh, a solution in Cyprus, couldn't solve it, maybe uh, we should uh, try other options. And of course, uh, the failure of his campaign to pass the message that, in fact, things are now in the right track after Berlin, because we all know that last November there was a Berlin meeting and uh, most of the previous agreements were actually confirmed by Anastasiadis and by Secretary General. And I think he failed to pass that message very clearly to remind people that actually solution is possible after the elections. Yes, and you know, Kemal, on this, I mean, from a Greek Cypriot perspective and looking at the political sphere, 
the Republic of Cyprus uh, government, I mean, even though they were clear that they didn't want to get involved into the elections of the Turkish Cypriot community, they had made it clear um, in their public rhetoric that they wanted a candidate uh, who who would be supportive of a bizonal by communal federation. I mean, this has been uh, their stance for the past uh, a few months. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, we need to acknowledge that for the past, I mean, Cram uh, Montana took place in July 2017, and we are now in October 2020. Almost three and a half years have passed since, and nothing actually took place with a candidate who was a pro-solution candidate who was supportive of a bizonal by communal federation. And in all honesty, the channels of communication between the two leaders they have not been used as often as they could have been used. The two leaders have not managed to collaborate on so many issues, even most recently when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, aside from the sentimental approach of all of us, I think it is worth noting that at the end of the day, for three and a half years, we did not take advantage of the opportunity that we had with a clearly pro-solution candidate in place. And this is not to lay blame on any side, but this is just to get things straight. And um, this also extends, of course, on the European Union in itself, uh, because we suddenly find ourselves immersed in a situation in which, you know, everyone is talking of uncharted waters and everyone is saying that we don't know what's going to happen from now on. But the issue is, what have you been doing for these three and a half years uh, that preceded? And when you had a, a candidate there who was supportive of a BBF, who was withstanding pressure from Turkey, even recently, and I think we, we criticized it in this podcast, we saw European Union officials arriving to Cyprus and they never, in the, in the past few months, I mean, and they never made any attempt to reach out to the Turkish Cypriot community, they never made any attempt to reach out to the Turkish Cypriot leader Mustafa Kinji, something that will have worked towards changing a bit this negative setting that you describe when it comes to the failure of Cramontana. So I think that when looking at the situation, we need to look at it holistically without any intention of laying blame, but with the intention of realizing and really identifying why we reached to this result. Akinji has always been the man of cooperation and he has always proven this with his actions. When he was the Turkish Cypriot mayor of Nicosia, he was the first person after the war who signed an agreement with the Greek Cypriot um, mayor of Nicosia, Lelos Demetriadis. And he was running in 2015 as a person who has been advocating cooperation and the prospect of solution. And the lack of cooperation killed him. As simple as that. And uh, when you are promising cooperation, but when it's not happening, then uh, you don't have much um, to offer to your waters. I like to go to number two, the economic dependence of Turkish Cypriots uh, to Turkey. In, the, in these difficult times, an economy is not doing well, when we don't have any crossings or money coming from tourism or higher education because of COVID, we don't have the Greek Cypriots incoming spending. So we rely so much now economically more than ever on Turkey. 
and the fact that Turkey was clearly in favor of Tatar made many people, mainly vulnerable communities, really uh, feel that they're not in a position to challenge this strong establishment. Not only Turkey, but also the establishment, which is basically based on delivering money using the resources, but also money coming from Turkey. So the economic isolation of the Turkish Cypriots are not necessarily pushing them towards a solution, most of the time making them vulnerable to uh, Turkey's economic power and Turkey independence on Turkey. Number three, the negative climate that the elections was taking place. We know that there were nationalistic demonstrations in the Greek Cypriot community. We know that there were no crossings. We know that we, there was COVID. And uh, we know that this negative climate was further enhanced by the negative attitude of Erdogan and AK Party government against Akinci. Here, I would like to say that, uh, and, and this is something that is not often uh, perceived in the Greek Cypriot community. I think it is not realized and we don't, never discuss it, at least not on, on mainstream rhetoric. The fact that the interrelations between uh, the two communities clearly influence both the perceptions of the Turkish Cypriot community, but also their options. Because let us be honest, I mean, when there is uh, a direct contact between the two communities, when there is a direct collaboration, when there is this even economic interdependence that you referred to, which was absent, the, the Turkish Cypriots are allowed to understand that Turkey is not their only way out. And uh, this is something that we do not discuss in the Greek Cypriot community. This is something that we do not uh, acknowledge. Uh, on the contrary, we, we think that there is a very strong uh, rhetoric, mainstream rhetoric, that says that contact and collaboration uh, is like, you know, working with the enemy, is like assisting the enemy. But in a sense, all that uh, contact is doing is... Uh, enhancing Cyprus and enhancing the power of Cypriots to stand on their own feet uh, and to be independent. And uh, it is very sad that we don't see it. And you mentioning this and you mentioning how uh, this lack of contact and how the, the closed crossing points really worked towards uh, creating um, a negative climate is a stark a reminder of the importance of contact and I think that there are a lot of opinion surveys that show that uh, contact is influencing perceptions but I think that this goes way beyond mere perceptions but it goes as to the understanding of one's options as well and it goes towards allowing the Turkish Cypriots to feel that they are part of, of a greater European Union family also and that their only way out is not in fact Turkey uh, and also it is interesting to see how those events for instance that took place uh, in the Rinyan the 11th of October in 2020 by those people who were masked uh, who were wearing black clothes 
who were uh, holding bats and they uh, and they tried to approach the Turkish Cypriot crossing point. It was interesting to see how those also impacted the perceptions in the Turkish Cypriot community. In fact, last night on Alpha TV News, there was coverage from the north from the time of the elections. And there is this video by a Turkish Cypriot supporter of Ersin Tatar, who openly thanking those people who on the 11th of October were uh, uh, vandalizing the crossing points and they were hooded and they were wearing black clothes and he was openly saying that those are their allies and those are their friends saying that this helped them to win the election so this is something that we need to discuss but sadly we do not discuss it on the contrary we choose to set this aside and pretend that this is not happening but we need to be aware of how our actions are impacting our relationships with the Turkish Cypriot community and to a further extent they are impacting our potential and prospect for a solution and our potential and prospect for peace and independence in a sense. Andromahi, I know that the two uh, demonstrations uh, or two incidents, depends on how you like to call it, that took place on the 11th and on the, the day before elections are not same, they should not be categorized as same. In the second one, there are people who basically use their democratic rights to protest something. But this did not translate into a protest into our community either. I know that there are some people with good intentions who participated in the, the second uh, demonstration the night before elections. But how it was passed to us was this, you know, there was this nationalistic upheaval and then there are all those people remembering what happened years years ago all, all those sad incidents when two uh, two civilians two greek cypriots were killed and th- that also created translated uh, into a, a sense of nationalistic upheaval in the turkey cypriot community so there is clear a, a lack of communication and and between two, two two communities and media on both sides are not necessarily helping a lot so um, this negative climate, of course, helped uh, in, into the hands of uh, Mr. Tatar. Number four is uh, the one which is widely sp- spoken, maybe is the most important aspect of this particular election, is Turkey's very heavy involvement in favor of one candidate. And I, I think we have to say it, especially for the second round, against the other candidate. Sometimes you favor a candidate, but maybe you don't feel that much animosity against the other. But in this particular cases, while it was in favor of Tatar, this intervention, but this was clearly against Mr. Akinji uh, for uh, various reasons. First of all, there is a very personal dislike between Mr. Akinji and Mr. Erdogan. We know that Turkish involvement and intervention came in in multiple forms and shapes. They openly distributed money in vulnerable communities, especially among the people who came to Cyprus after 74. Of course, another uh, provocation was Varosha. This was a clear sign when Mr. Tatar, a day before, uh, a couple of days before the elections, went to Ankara and made a joint press statement with uh, Mr. Erdogan. Mr. Akinji was branded as being anti-Turkish and it really distributed. This message was going around 
in um, all circles of the communities, not only Turkish Cypriots, but um, but but everywhere in Turkey, um, locally, regionally, everywhere. That he he was branded as anti-Turkish, and then many trolls were after him on social media. Let's say that Akinci was not necessarily willing to take direct orders from Turkey. Whereas Tatar was really seeing Turkey as his own motherland. He was very open to take direct instructions from Erdogan. And he actually diminished the power of Turkish Cypriots as an actor in this in this whole game. I mean, as a, again, as a Greek Cypriot, my major concern at the moment is those Turkish Cypriots that uh, do not embrace this approach and they do not embrace this overt reliance on Turkey and those Turkish Cypriots who understand their identity as being separate from a Turkish identity, from that they put above everything their secularity, their Europeanness, their progressive approach and what happens with those people now. And I mean, this is something that I'm sure we will discuss in, in many later podcasts, but my major concern at the moment is how these people will be allowed to have a way out and how these people will be allowed to basically survive in a setting of what I expect to be more increased pressure by Turkey in itself. Because just like you described, when this candidate is so happily relying upon Turkey, I suppose that he will not have the same sort of objections to the extension of Turkey's arm upon the Turkish Cypriots and upon the Turkish Cypriot community. So what happens? now for these people. We have to remember that AK Party came to power in 2002, right before the unplanned voting. And Mr. Erdogan was personally present in Bergenstock uh, during the unplanned voting. So he personally experienced, either directly or through his foreign minister, um, two international summits. One in Bergenstock, um, in you know unplanned period, and the other one, Kram Montana period. So after Kram Montana, Turkey became convinced that the Greek Cypriots, I'm not saying that this is the case, but, you know, he became convinced that the Greek Cypriots are not really playing a real game. He is convinced that the Greek Cypriots are not willing to get the job done. They are not willing to uh, reach to a federation. And Turkey decided to switch the game. After Kram Montana, Turkey said it openly, we didn't hear it clearly, but Turkey was adamant and saying that from now on we are going to increase the bets and even if we are going to get some sort of a federal arrangement, the only way to do it is for us to increase the bets towards a you know, two separate state solution. So in this environment, uh, Erdogan was willing to really side with a candidate who's willing to play his game and Akinci was not willing to play play this game because he has always been an ardent federal solution supporter. Number five, uh, there are so many other reasons, but I don't want to take all everybody's time. Uh, this is my last reason why Mr. Tatar uh, won, is because of the internal party politics dynamics and the, the parliamentary uh, elections or the coalition uh, possibilities that will be happening after the elections. Because we have a parliamentary system, we know that Kudret Özersay uh, pulled out from the coalition 
and um, now we are going to have a new coalition to be formed and UBP felt that the only way for them to really to have an upper hand is to have uh, Tatar as the leader, as the president of the Turkish Cypriots, so that uh, they can have an upper hand in forming the government and to have the psychological superiority of, of forming a government because no uh, formulation is very easy for any of the political parties. We need 26 to have uh, in the in our in Turkish parliament to have um, a, a government and regardless of whatever you do they are all different difficult uh, calculations so we don't know what's going to happen there are all these um, possibilities ahead and then UBP also needs to choose a new leader so all these calculations made the UBP to work really hard to make sure that they win this election and mobilized the party base uh, for this and, and UBP is one of the most organized political parties in the Turkish Cypriot politics. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think uh, are the outcomes of this election? So we, re we, we discussed what brought us to this result, but what do you think is the de facto outcome at the moment? Well, um, I think it's too early to come to um, a very clear picture, but I can try to tell you four um, outcomes of this elections. Number one, we can say that the pro-solution forces and the left seems that they are now united for the first time <laughs> after a long time. There was a big fight among them, especially when uh, both Akunju and Erhurman were candidates. So the supporters were really tearing uh, each other. And um, we can say that now there is a very good sense of pro-solution um, forces and left united. Maybe it's too late. I must say that as an outside observer, the the picture of Mustafa Kimchi and Tufan Human uh, um, walking together on the eve of the election of the second round, it was really a sign of political maturity, and I found it very impressive. I mean, it, it was it was a very impressive political moment to see those two people united aside from anything that had taken place before uh, the first round. What we understand from the outcome of the elections, it seems that JTP really worked very hard despite they felt heartbroken due to the attacks uh, against their own leader during the campaign by um, Akinji supporters. We should give the credit to them and they really worked very hard uh, in the second round but it was not enough. The other second outcome of this, I see that there is a new generation of politically aware youth, fully motivated. They know the discussion, they are politically inclined, they know what federation is, they understand the difficulties of, of having two separate states. They are feeling very Cypriot, very Cypriot. And, uh, you know, they are very pro-solution. You, probably you saw on the social media, they started their own campaigns of peace and solution. And um, I'm hoping that this will be extended in time and also geographically on the other side of the divide as well. Again, uh, on the eve of the election, we saw uh, that uh, impressive walk that the Akinjis' uh, supporters uh, did. And uh, we saw all the um, uh, pictures of, of, of olive branches that was the sign of Akinjis' campaign. And we saw the uh, online uh, campaign on, on 
piece as well by the Turkish Cypriot youth. And it was really a moment of, of, of optimism when it comes to our future. And uh, I think that we need to discuss at some point how uh, other Cypriots, like the Greek Cypriots, reach out to these Turkish Cypriots who, as you say, they feel extremely Cypriot, they know what the Federation is, etc. And we really need to work on enhancing this uh, identity of our independence and of our Cypriotness. And this is something I believe that we need to be discussing aside from what happens on the table of negotiations. I think we should set that aside, but there is another struggle on the ground when it comes to this. Yes, and I think the, the other election uh, outcome is um, that we seem to have a, a difference between rural and urban areas. In Nicosia, the biggest water space is, uh, is a place where watered for Akinji. Um, around 54% or even more, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Akinju lost in rural areas which have more vulnerable communities, which have the people from Turkey who settled after 74. And um, But it is wrong to assume that all Turkish origin people voted for Tatar, which this is clearly not the case. I have been uh, on the ground, I have talked to the people, there were many people who came t- from Turkey who actually voted for uh, uh, for Akinci's campaign. But still, it shows that left also needs to approach those uh, places, those people, need to understand their concerns, need to voice out their vulnerabilities, need to explain them that the only way for uh, uh, for also them to really get some sort of a welfare so that their status is not disputed is is to solve the Cyprus problem and uh, and this needs to be explained to them as well number four is that i think this is the most important outcome despite the fact that tatar is elected the difference is around four to five thousand votes despite the fact that Turkey has sided heavily, despite the fact that right has played a very decisive role, despite the fact that Akinci didn't have a very productive environment for him, almost one out of two waters voted for Akinci. And it was a very clear sign that they were not willing to take instructions from Turkey, let alone Erdogan. I have to make this distinction because we need, we need to understand that Erdogan lost the elections in Istanbul, in Ankara, and in Izmir. The mayors are not from his party. So we need to make it very clear that Erdogan is not necessarily Turkey. But when it comes to Cyprus problem, many Turkish politicians, they don't really understand the difference of, of being a pro-solution and... Uh, anti-Turkish. They think that if you're pro-solution, they think that you are actually betraying the Turkish cause and they don't really have this understanding. And this has actually helped Erdogan to um, really pass this message that Akinci is is anti-Turkish, which is of course not the case. Akinci was only in favor of a solution that will be better the relations in the region and between Greece and Turkey as well. 
and uh, the message should be taken, should be read carefully. I have read many comments about the Greek Cypriots appreciating the struggle of the Turkish Cypriots and I refuse to take it as a sign that Turkish Cypriots are, the, are taking direct instructions from Turkey. So, one last observation is that now I am expecting uh, Anastasiades government to look more pro-solution will pass more uh, dull and peace messages and because it is creating a fertile ground for the Greek Cypriot leadership to show themselves as being pro-solution but unfortunately in front of them there will be a anti-federal solution candidate. Whether he will be um, totally against a federal solution or whether now it's Turkey to call the shots and then if they will agree, Tatar will accept, is another discussion we will be need to making in the coming programs. Yes, I think this is something that we need to see. What is clear from a political perspective is that there are going to be developments. The United Nations had already announced that they want to do a, an informal conference uh, in order to investigate the intentions of all sides and that is going to happen regardless of the elections I mean of the outcome of the elections so we are about to see developments we do not know where they will lead but it is clear that the Cyprus problem will come back to the spotlight because there is also an interest by the European Union as well at the same time, sadly, these developments are coming at a time when tensions between uh, Greece and Turkey seem to be on the rise again, uh, with the presence of the Oruç race in the Eastern Mediterranean again. It is interesting to see how all these things will balance out. It is worth noting that I think currently we have right-wing governments in all four major uh, decision-making areas. I mean, in the Turkish Cypriot community, the Republic of Cyprus, uh, Greece and Turkey. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, having said that, I, I did read a number of comments from Turkish Cypriot other analysts who said that we should not forget that developments in the negotiations uh, throughout the years did take place under right-wing leaders, Turkish Cypriot leaders. Uh, like, for instance, during the uh, Anand Planera, it was under Tenktaş. So I, I think it will be interesting to see what happens from now on. Uh, but what is clear is that aside from the table of negotiations and what happens there, there is another struggle on the ground when it comes to everything that you discussed about the Turkish Cypriot people, about their understanding of being European, of being Cypriot, and how the Greek Cypriots also relate to this struggle and how the Greek Cypriots behave regarding this struggle. So I think we have a lot to discuss in the future about the situation on the ground. I think we need to say goodbye to our listeners. We've passed half an hour uh, duration. We have so many things to talk and we have many listeners who are sending us messages and maybe in the next podcast we can also address those. So, okay, thank you, Kemal, and uh, do not despair. We have a lot of things to do on the ground. Yeah, I thought I am the optimist one. Yes, but uh, the cynic needs to balance things out from time to time. <laughs> <laughs>